Welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast. I'm Frank Days, your host today. It's a cold, rainy day here in Boston, but we're ready to talk about Agile in marketing, along with my co-host, Roland Smart. Roland, how are things? I'm great, and I'm coming from Washington, D.C. today, where the cherry blossoms are in bloom and beautiful, so I'll bring some sunniness to our podcast today. Needless to say, I'm a little jealous about that, but we can still we can still be friends, right? Yeah. Well, you can visit me on the West Coast anytime, Frank. Exactly. So, Frank, we're, we're joined today by Jeff Julian. Jeff is the CMO at AJI Software. He's also the author of a, of a new book called Agile Marketing, Building Endurance for Your Content Marketing Team. And he's the host of the Midwest Marketing Show, another podcast, I think a video podcast. And Jeff, so glad to have you on the show. Welcome aboard. Hey, thanks. It's great to be on the show. Big time listener. All right. Well, glad to hear that. Well, let me kick off the the show just by asking you to share a little bit about your background and the background of AJI. How'd you get started? How'd you make the transition from the technology world, the developer world to being a CMO? Sure. So my career got started back when I was 17. um, And I was one of those annoying smart kids um, that made college professors kick me out of the classroom and, you know, speakers be annoyed whenever I start heckling them immediately. But over that, you know, the first few years of my career, I really dug into writing, dug into blogging, started a blog on one of the Microsoft communities. And uh, with a few arguments in place, they booted me off, deleted, you know, about 50 posts from my blog. And it irritated me a little bit, you could probably imagine. So my wife goes, what are you doing? And I say, I'm going to go write a blog engine. And then the next morning I appear with Geeks of Blogs. And I said, this is a community for technology bloggers that want to be able to express their opinions. So over a decade, we grew that community to about 4,000 bloggers, 100,000 blog posts, curating our own content, right? Because 50 posts a day, you got to clean that thing up. And I found out that I was actually doing a lot of marketing where, and that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed building the community, building thought leadership, helping others understand what their voice is, and then how to compose content. So take us from building a community to agile. Communities only pay a certain amount of money, so you have to do your day job. So I've been an agile uh, software developer since right around 2000, 2001. Um, I still remember when I was 18 years old in my internship and seeing the extreme programming book on my boss's desk and saying, hey, what is that? You know, what's this monster X on the front cover? And starting to dig into pair programming and different aspects of Agile. And so using Agile daily for the past 15 years has been exciting. I I love it. I'm, I'm married to a Scrum Master. We have Scrum boards all over the house. I was telling uh, some folks in the Agile KC group last night where I spoke that uh, we use Agile for everything. If we're going on vacation, we have a scrum board. And so it just made sense in all the work that I did, especially with content, um, how to break that up into those fine tasks to be able to put an estimate on it, to be able to set a rhythm, a sustainable pace, um, and then help other teams who are trying to figure out blogging how to use those same tools. So when we would work with Microsoft and a lot of the product teams, when they were launching blogs.msdn, we'd show them agile tools because, well, they knew it. They, you know, they were dog fooding their own products. And so it just made sense to them. And we just, we break up 
blog content the same way. And so it was just a progression over the same amount of time, but just kind of, you know, continued it on as I moved into marketing instead of software development. It was more of a audience thing where our core audience of people who purchased websites and web design from us moved from IT to marketing. And we've all heard about that shift, but I didn't understand the marketer. And so as I started to dig into it, I was like, if I really want to empathize with this audience and I'm going to have to be one of them. And so I put up the ones and zeros and put on the marketing hat and just kind of move forward with that. I love that. I love the, the, the immersive application of Agile and the rest of your, your life, too. So it sounds like living Agile at home is great. So help us, um, before we jump into some stories about the work that you've done and how you've applied Agile, just um, put some dimensions for us around AJI software. What kind of clients are you serving? How big is the company? We're 13 people in Kansas City, but our clients are typically within that four-hour radius of where we are. Um, we like to service the Midwest, and our clients are usually, uh, you know, 150 million plus revenue up to enterprise level, and we help them with their content management systems and strategies. And so that could be web design or deployment of very large systems that integrate with other very large systems. So your business model is it? look like a traditional consultancy and traditional agency. It's one of those weird things that we have to like lean on both sides now because using working with marketing teams, the, the concept of a consultancy doesn't necessarily, it's not a very familiar term. And then with the agency world, um, it's confusing anyway, because who knows what an agency is anymore. So it's it's a hybrid kind of approach. I, I like to use the analogy of uh, Fix-It Felix, where he talks to Qbert and then talks to Wreck-It Ralph, right? So we talk to IT teams and we understand what they're saying and we talk to marketing teams and we kind of broker the relationship to allow for the the advancement of technology and that reach of the customer and, and driving the experience. The reason I ask that is that I have a standard rant I go on on the podcast about, and if you listen to some of the older ones, that agency and consultancy models like certainty because certainty means you can actually make money and not get killed on uncertainty can be expensive at times. How do you reconcile that? So one of the approaches that we've rolled out in the past two years is sprint based pricing. So when they hire us on for a website, we make sure that everyone on their team that we're going to be working with understands the scrum model and we'll sit down with training. Um, We take them through an agile marketing training, agile development training, show them how it works. And then we price by the sprint. So if they want to, you know, if they've got a backlog that's going to take five or six sprints, we can show them that and we give them the flexibility to reprioritize or if things aren't done, prioritize based off of need and still have that consistent price without going completely on the time and materials approach. Yeah, this is the second time I've actually heard that that model being used by an agency. So I think maybe we're touching on something that maybe starting to emerge from the market. Quick question. So when you're working with that company on a sprint-by-sprint basis, are, are you pairing with them or are you leading the project? Is it basically an opportunity? Is it about the project or, or is it more about you teaching them how to do this stuff so they can fish on their own? Yeah, a lot of the times it is helping their teams get up to speed. And, and rarely do we get brought in to where they're going to build a team to replace us. Um, and we're just coming in to help them get started, but they do want to continue to do their own work. And we absolutely 
we don't want to force any of our clients to call us if they want to do something. We want them to call us when they want to engage with our company specifically. And so we, yeah, so we embed people on our team. We have them work with us. We kind of, you know, do that process to where we all come together and work in a in an environment and then shift towards them owning this product. Who owns the sprint process? Who owns the, the scrum board? Who's the, who's the scrum master? All our projects have a scrum master on them and it's internally. If they have a scrum master, we work in tandem, but typically we're not on site. So... We need to have our own kind of process, but we we have a we since we're nerds, we have a very large touch screen that we use Jira with, and they can come in, and and anybody can use Skype for Business to come in and watch our stand up meetings, and you just touch the screen, drag your cards over, report status out, um, and our clients can engage with that, and and then um, or they can just kind of get the the feedback during the sprint reviews, or you know on a weekly basis. So that's great. So one of the things um, I actually talked about in my book is when I was at a social technology company called Involver, we partnered with this company called Pivotal Labs. They were really doing a lot of agile work. They weren't using the pricing model or the business model that you mentioned before, but they did pair with us. And their objective was really about training us how to do agile and then walking away and letting that team keep going. But it begs the question, what are the specific practices that you're bringing? And are you tailoring those practices to the company? Or are you sort of bringing the brand of Agile that like, you think works really well, let's say, in the context of context marketing and you're te- content marketing, you're teaching them how to do that? Or is it more flexible than that? Yeah, it really depends on the team we're engaging with. If it is a, an engineering team, typically we'll go straight out of the box scrum to start with just to give them... I don't like to pull away the the parts until we know the reason we want to pull them away. And so I like to start with the rigid environment, like, you know, out of the box scrum and then start to have retrospectives that would then prompt the removal of anything. Um, we go back to user stories with Mike Cohn on those environments, planning poker. We like the tools that um, have kind of aged well. On the marketing side, though, with with content teams, Typically, we have to start a little bit earlier. We have to start with personas. We have to start with mission and backlog and prioritization and then kind of jump to estimation. And then through all that, we can then find a process that works, whether it is a rigid scrum environment or if it is more Kanban. But we we take the approach that everyone took back in the early 2000s when they were starting Agile which was, let's try to figure this thing out and only adopt a few things at once. But being 15 years later, and we've seen kind of the evolution of it from a technology side, so much has been thrown out that is only thrown out because teams have that deep understanding of the process. And so from a marketing perspective, we have to relearn some of the stuff, but we can also you know, take some of the wisdom and learn faster. Well, it's it's definitely a lot of the marketers I talk to or the, it, it follow that pattern that you just talked about a few moments ago, that people are just starting to adopt and they pick parts of the process that work best for them. And then I think as people mature, they get much more sophisticated. But for you guys and your clients, are there parts of the overall process that maybe aren't working as well or are greater challenges? Maybe it's a better way of putting it. I mean, there's a huge limitation in software right now 
for the service. And, and I know all we need is more MarTech, right? But agile marketing tools just aren't, you know, as evolved as they should be by now. And so having a client look at Jira or look at something like a Team Foundation Server version one, those tools are very much built for software developers and very cumbersome to use. They're highly flexible for a reason, and it takes a lot of configuration to make it work. And so um, going from a paper process to software has usually been one of the biggest hurdles. And then also the, the level of meetings that you um, require for your traditional Scrum process. I mean, there's like seven or eight meetings that are really beneficial that I think most marketers just don't like the idea of meeting all the time. And we have to kind of show them the benefits of it. And then once they're in it, they get it. You know, they get the daily stand-up meetings. It, it really does help them understand when they're cross-functional. When they're still siloed, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You'll tell me when you're done, and then I work on stuff. But if there's a block and I can work on something else, we really need to have a meeting on that. So let me try and switch gears for a second. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about projects that you're running that have a heavier, let's say, technology component to them. I'm curious to talk a little bit about the content marketing side. Mm -hmm. I know that your, your book in the title talks about building endurance for content marketing. Um, can you just talk for a minute about how does the concept of endurance relate to Agile? Sure. So when it comes to content marketing, normally teams have this idea that it is still like a campaign. And so they go out, they sprint really fast. And when you're running a marathon, you have to find a sustainable pace that works for you and you have to train. Um, and so when people start to adopt content marketing and agile marketing, usually these are two new processes that they, they don't necessarily understand or work well. And so they, they essentially run too fast and get burned out. It's kind of like the first time you run a mile, if you just run out your front door, you're pretty much guaranteed that you can still see your front door by the time you walk. And that's where I think a lot of marketing teams start to turn around. So during our workshops, we'll have people who have tried it before and usually they'll say, we made one or two sprints and it just didn't work for us. And when you start yeah. to dig deeper yeah. into why didn't it work for you, it was because they ran too fast. And they tried to put everything in place. The other common thing that we hear a bunch on the podcast is marketers who start with methods that are too prescriptive. Mm -hmm. And they find those just, there's too much overhead. They're not used to such a rules-based kind of process, right? So... To your earlier point, they tend to then go back and really strip down the process and start small in terms of the number of practices that they embrace and then add practices as they're tailoring it to their team over time. I always tell people, like, if you just get personas truly figured out and you stop making up data about your customers, but go out and use LinkedIn and interview your customers and figure it out, your customer satisfaction is going to go way up. And that's one of the number one tenets in Agile is to be focused on customer satisfaction. So guess what? You're Agile at that point. And now let's continue to listen to what they're saying and prioritize the stuff we're working on. And to do that, we need a backlog. And so we can, we can kind of get into the process. Don't throw everything out and just don't say, hey, Scrum doesn't work because it's too rigid. Say, Scrum's like level 10. We're at level two now. We're working towards it. Once we get there... Then we can decide, yep. 
can we work outside of this rigid environment and use Kanban in buckets? But one of the problems I see with Kanban, with people who aren't used to agile, is content will make its way through the different swim lanes and buckets, and then it'll just disappear before it actually becomes shippable because someone else gets another idea and, oh, let's not work on that anymore. And so the process of vetting it, the content kind of just goes away and we don't ship the content that we need to do on a regular basis. So you just talked a little bit about the content marketing use case and about, you know, the the specific practices and and sort of starting simple and adding to those, you know, adding over time as you tailor the practice to the team. So one of the practices that comes up a lot, in fact it just came up at a panel discussion that I was at at MarTech last week was the practice around writing the user story. Hmm. I think what I hear a lot from marketers is they really struggle to write user stories. So I'm curious if you can just comment a little bit about in the context of content marketing, how do you write user stories? How detailed are they? Back in, I, I love going back in the day, back in like 2004, I sat through a week-long training with Mike Cohn on user stories right when the book came out. Um, and so I've, I love the process. I think it's great, the idea that you... You point at a particular persona and a problem and the resolution. But I think user stories is definitely tailored towards software development as it's written. And so if you follow Mike on LinkedIn and listen to some of the stuff that he talks about now about having, you know, system level stories and persona specific stories, um, you can see that there is a need to tailor that concept for content. And so I... In the book, I talk about something called a content story, and it's really, it leverages the user story approach where you list the persona, um, and then you identify the problem or goal that you are approaching. So if we're talking to a marketer, and the problem might be understanding you know, what's out there in content management systems. That's great. We still need another piece of that, which is what value are we going to deliver? How are we going to measure whether this thing was valuable, how big it was. And so that's where we go into the, how do we actually plan to approach that? And then once we finish the story, I bring in acceptance criteria back in through a field I like to call how to demonstrate value, which is a a list of ways that we actually plan to meet the criteria we listed in that user story. And so if we're telling them about content management systems so that they can go back and report this to an executive or, or their manager. Then we need to show open source options. We need to show enterprise options. We need to talk about the pros and cons of having integrated marketing automation or using a separate tool. Talk about tools like Oracle Marketing Cloud and how they can kind of pull together. And once we've defined the story in that acceptance criteria, our team would start producing a very similar piece of content when they worked on their own or when they worked together. And that's what we're really trying to solve is making that cross-functional team actually be on the same page with things. So we can start to break up the task and divvy up the research and divvy up the, the development of that content and have it pulled together into a bigger piece. And the only way we can do that is to know what are the emotions and what are the value options that we're going to present in this content? And then how do we actually plan to do that? And then we have the estimate on how big we actually can scope this as a team. Well, Jeff, thank you once again for joining us. Before we jump off, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there anything going on in your life that you wanted to share with our listeners? 
Andrea Freyrier, um, who is another Agile marketer. Her husband is a, a software developer who did Agile, and that's how she kind of got on it. Uh, me and her are speaking at a few events. We just got done with the Intelligent Content Conference, and then we're doing Content Marketing Conference in Vegas in May, and then Content Marketing World, which is huge. Um, we're so excited to be able to present Agile Marketing there. And then also a new book, which I know Roland has a great new book, and so does Scott Brinker. And um, it's it's good yeah. to be up at a place now where we have a thousand pages on agile marketing that is relevant, has been tested. And so, you know, with the book, we do a workshop. Um, and so we'll be doing this workshop around the U.S. this year. Well, that's great news to go out and see so many people out spreading the word after a number of years of people trying to figure it out. It feels like increasingly more and more people are trying it at least. So just as a reminder to our listeners that you can find the Marketing Agility Podcast at agilemarketingblog.com, which contains a link to the world's largest podcast directory, who I can't name because of trademark reasons, but you can still leave us a review there if you really like it. If you have a story to tell, you can reach out to Roland at R, at R Smartly on Twitter or myself at Tangy Slice. Thank you again, Jeff. As always, great, Roland, to get on the pod with you. And yeah, thank you, everyone, thanks, for listening. And please stay agile. <laughs>